0: Hi everybody, welcome to another edition of Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford, joined by the one and only Wes Hodkowitz. We're coming to you here from our studios at Lambeau Field. And Wes, the pads have gone on here in training camp. We have been witness to one padded practice, the uppers, the shoulder pads. We are will be watching our second pad, padded practice when we skedaddle out of the studio here later this morning. Just wanted to get your impressions on the uh, the first workout in pads. What stood out to you?
1: Well, the thing I always look for, and you and I kind of have a little thing going. It's the most exciting period of any training camp practice, from the beginning to the end, when you have the one on ones, offensive line, defensive line, and then you got the routes. You know, the one on ones, receivers, running backs, all that against the against defenders. the DBs. Yeah, it's the most, and it, unfortunately, it happens at the same exact time, so you can only pick one. You were over at the, uh, the receivers and everything. Yeah. I stayed back with the linemen. And it is, every year, it's one of my most favorite things to watch because yeah. it really is the mano a mano part of this whole process. Now it's not everything. You can excel in the drill and not be that great. You can not do well in that drill and still end up being really a successful NFL player. I think back to Kyler Fackrell. Everybody gave Kyler Fackrell a lot of you know grief for how he did in one on ones. Yeah, Kyler Fackrell is a legitimate NFL football player. It's Absolutely. just the, the rub of the green, so to speak. But what I loved about this was you got a chance to see Josh Myers for the first time taking reps against Kenny Clark with their pads on. Both of those guys, two bulls in a china shop, going up against each other. <laughs> I, I wrote about it. An Insider Inbox, Rashawn Gary, he's always looked like a man in that drill. But, I mean, this year, you can see the speed to power that he has in his rush, especially his bull rush, but he also can beat guys around the edges. Some of these young guys, too, I'll close on this. This is the first time we really get a sense of what the guys on like those third-team offensive lines have to offer. Yeah. Now, that might seem really rudimentary, but that's where a guy like Greg Van Roten back in 2012 started to emerge. That's where you start to notice the Don Barclays of the world. And ultimately then it starts to translate into preseason game. So it was a really fun first day of practice. That's funny
0: practice. that no, that's funny that you that as soon as you said Don Barkley, that was exactly the name yep. I was thinking of when you talk about those guys. They're you know, they're a little later in that one on one drill, you know, they're down there, you know, further down in the depth chart really early in their careers, those undrafted guys and and yeah, that's when they start to that's when they start to stand out. I made a comment in our three things video after Tuesday's practice because I've been waiting for the pads to go on as far as the wide receivers DBs because I've wanted to see this Juwan Winfrey yes because he really was the star of the young wide receivers in the spring when there's no pads there aren't really the jams at the line of scrimmage and all of that kind of stuff well now we're getting to that stage and Juwan Winfrey had a really solid day in his first one-on-ones with uh with the pads on going up against um going up against Eric Stokes the the Packers first round draft pick. Now that being said with the one-on-ones and as fun, as fun as it is to watch I will say this though I take I take all of it with just that little bit of grain of Absolutely. salt because I think for the one-on-one in the pass rush pass pro I think the defense is at a distinct advantage because there's no other traffic, right? I mean, the the defender can go whichever way he wants to. He's not going to trip over anybody else. Right. And there's no combo blocks, right? The offensive lineman has to, has that much more territory to guard. The flip side, I think, is true in the wide receiver DBs because there's no other route being run, there's no other traffic, so the wide receiver can go wherever he wants to go, and the defensive back has that much more and territory. He can't make a read off of anything yeah. else to get leverage anywhere. Every so, play
1: is cover zero.
0: Right, <laughs> but that, but that's, but because of those disadvantages with those guys, sometimes it's where you start to find out a little bit about guys and and just how. Uh, um, just how talented they might be. So in that respect, it's uh, it's really fun to watch.
1: My thing I always think is the cheat code in that receiver DD <laughs> drill too. Is whenever they run the slant, it's like, well, what are you expecting him to do here? Yeah, I mean, is he really going to be able to jump the slant when right. he's worried about the guy going on a go route with yeah. no safety help behind? I, it's, <laughs> yeah, makes for a fun day.
0: Yeah, but it's but uh, so you can't you you can't take all of it at face value. But it's a heck of a drill, and it's and it's how guys both in terms of the linemen and in terms of the receivers and DBs, how they can really start to lock down and refine some of their skills and, and, and work on certain techniques, yes. even if they don't work quite exactly right in that moment, they're still practicing and working on that stuff for when it's really going to matter.
1: And if getting back to the lineman drills, you very rarely, unless a, you know, Jerry Montgomery wants a defensive lineman to work on one specific thing. They're always alternating. They'll run the Packers. They made this adjustment a few years ago where they'll just run the rep twice. Back in the day, you'd run it once, reset, next group goes in. Now it's they run it twice, give them two different opportunities. Not only does that allow the offensive lineman to potentially make an adjustment, it allows for that chess match with the defensive rusher also making their own.
0: Yeah, it's fun, it's fun to watch for sure. Well, we heard from quarterback Aaron Rodgers on Wednesday. On Wednesday, the Packers had just a walkthrough practice, not open to the public, not open to the media. We did talk to a few players afterwards, and one of those was quarterback Aaron Rodgers. And interestingly we've been kind of, as a media core as a whole, we've been kind of trying to needle the defensive guys when we talk to them about like, hey, so what's different about Joe Barry's defense? You know, like, are you guys doing some different stuff or, you know, are you being asked to do different things? And most of the guys are, you know, it's like, they're really not revealing anything. They're keeping it very close to the vest. So yesterday I decided, what the heck, I'm going to ask Aaron (laughs) Rodgers what he thinks is different about this Joe Barry defense. And we actually got a, a really interesting answer. The long and the short of it is that Rodgers and then Alan Lazard also um, sort of confirmed a little bit of what Rodgers had said, which is that the biggest thing that the Packers offense in training camp right now is adjusting to with Joe Barry's defense is how they are disguising their pass coverage. They're having yeah. a little bit of a difficult time figuring out exactly what type of coverage Barry's back end is in on any given snap, and that seems to be that seems to be maybe one of the calling cards here is uh, is that element. I, w- I don't want to say surprise, but it's the element of disguise.
1: Yeah, and that that was one of the more. I mean, the whole press conference, all twenty minutes of it, were really illuminating. He touched on so many different topics. <clears throat> Whether it was you know him reaching out to Jordan Love in the offseason, season, letting him know everything okay is okay with it. Whether it was him actually reaching out to, or you know, actually having Randall Cobb in his house uh, and kind of <laughs> sheltering him here while he finds his his new home in Green Bay,
0: a home he's going to have to overpay for the way that <laughs> yeah, the, way with the, the, way market the market is went. going. But that's another topic for another day.
1: But what I really liked <clears throat> is I can't speak. What I really liked about the answer on Barry's defense was it got me thinking a little bit. He'd mentioned all the strengths when you thought back to Dom, the fire zone concepts in 9 and 10 and, and the things that they did that made them successful. And it kind of gave you a little bit of an impression on what Barry is going to bring to Green Bay and why right out of the gates that this could be a guy that could really be a difference maker for Green Bay. And you think about the heavy fronts that they had in Los Angeles. You think about being able to disguise some of the coverages. Well, the more pressure you present and the more you mix up what you're doing on the back end, the more it's going to cause the quarterback and also the offensive coordinator, a lot of grief trying to figure out, okay, how do we play on a play clock here? And how do we also stay in front of what they're trying to do? You can see a lot of adjustability with what Barry is doing. And to hear Aaron Rodgers say that,
0: right? Again, that's Without, that's why it caught my that's why it caught my ear because yeah. the defensive players just hadn't really been saying much, no. but Rogers was very upfront and saying, This is different. He's he's been doing this for sixteen years yeah. now. This is a different type of defense that he's facing in training
1: camp. Yeah, and, and that's that's what you want because this is where we ultimately see the reps, right? We always talk about you get into preseason games. One of the reasons why Rogers historically has not been, you know, really keen on playing a lot in the preseason is because everything does look the same. It, we talked about the adjustments they make in one-on-ones. Well, legitimately, they basically are just rushing the same way. They're basically covering the same way. They just want to see what guys can do athletically and kind of make some judgments there on how they're holding their own. They're not trying to show some of their undiscouted looks for the upcoming season. These are the practices, these 20-some practices the Packers will have where Rodgers and the offense are going to cut their teeth. And getting back to your point about Lazard that I thought was really interesting is that you know, he feels like the, the ceiling is high for the offensive yeah. group and also seeing what the defense is presenting, it's one of the reasons why when you hear all these guys talking day after day, press conference after press conference, there's a lot of swagger in that room right now that they have it in all three phases to make a championship run.
0: Yeah, and Lazard made the comment as well with regard to adjustments because there are so many things that are done on the fly offensively that you're reading what the defense is doing and then the receivers are choosing their route or adjusting their route based on how they're reading the coverage. And he was saying it's actually – it's been a little tricky to figure out exactly what, hole, where the holes are yeah. to get to in the coverages, where to where to sit down a route or where to break off a route here or there. So I thought that was interesting too, and there's going to be an evolution of the, to this as um, training camp continues. But uh, but also earlier this week we heard from you know a lot of fans asking, okay, what what is what's up with David Bakhtiari? Yeah. When is uh, when is the Packers five-time All-Pro left tackle going to get back in action and you talk about you know an illuminating twenty minutes at the podium. Uh, Bakhtiari is very, very, very entertaining, but made it very, made it very clear. I thought the most interesting thing that he said, not that he gave any kind of a timetable. He's not making any promises. He's going to be back for week one or week two or whatever the case might be. But he said it was almost as though he said it. It's not about whether he necessarily feels, you know, like all the way back to himself, like, you know, he's going to be back to his all pro form, be a hundred percent or whether he's 90% or 80%. For him, it's going to be the question of when, when the doctors say, when the doctors say that the surgery is where the the recovery from the surgery is where it needs to be with your knee and with the the, the graft, with the ACL and all that, and you're not at any greater risk of re-injuring it. David Bakhtiari doesn't necessarily care if he's only at only feels like he's 70% yeah. of himself. If that knee is good to go and the doc says it's good to go, I think we're going to see David Bakhtiari back out there.
1: Yeah, it was funny listening to him too because he did a, probably as good a job as anybody is explaining what happens after you have a graph in the in the yeah and every everything ACL. they're
0: looking at everything that they're paying attention to.
1: <laughs> yeah, if he was working in any other industry, an office job, a sports writer you know, down the block like my parents at Georgia Pacific, he's back on the job. You know, he's just, he's he's back to work, but this isn't a normal job. It's not yeah. about how you feel. It's about also being cognizant of the fact that the atrophy in the knee, when you do a surgery like that, the body isn't used to that. The body isn't used to, oh, somebody else is gonna come in and fix something. It's just used to scarring stuff up and fixing it itself. Yeah. So it's how a knee injury like that weakens the quadriceps. It's weakening the calf. It's weakening everything around there. And you have to build that stuff back up. So for for Bakhtiari, I just think I I love the – I absolutely love the approach he's taken to this because Brian Belaga had a good disposition about it, but Brian was pretty aggressive. Like he wanted to be back out there (laughs) and was making no bones about it. I mean, they had him back at the end of the preseason. But Brian also tore that at the beginning of November. David's happened on New Year's Day or New Year's Eve. New
0: Year's Eve, yeah.
1: That's almost two months separation. So Dave also understands, okay, you look at what Brian Belaga had to do to be ready for week one, and he was, you know, six, eight weeks earlier than when Dave tore his ACL. I think he trusts the doctors. I know he trusts his rehab. He mentioned he, he's like, the best thing is I've had no setbacks. Everything has been all systems go. And then I also would say you have to think if you're the Packers and you have to think if you're Bakhtiari. You look at Elton Jenkins standing in there at left tackle, and his best position might be left guard. Heck, it might be center for all we know. But, I mean, that's not his natural spot. But doggone it, I mean, he really held his own there last year, and he's taking every rep there this training camp. The Packers have time. It's not like you and I are having to stand in at left tackle and Aaron Rodgers is, you know, kind of like chattering his teeth, worrying about (laughs) who's going to be coming from his blind side. They have a good insurance policy there. Get your five-time, probably future, Hall of Fame, all-pro left tackle back and, and go from there.
0: Yeah, the I think the the biggest indication we're going to find out is simply going to be the roster decision at the end of training camp, yeah. right? Because for those who don't quite understand this, David Bakhtiari is on the physically unable to perform list. It's called the PUP list or PUP list. Players who do not practice, they, they don't practice the first day of training camp they generally they go on that list and they come off that list then as soon as they begin to practice. Well, we're not expecting to see David Bakhtiari during training camp. But then the Packers will have to make a roster decision at the end of training camp. Does David Bakhtiari go on the 53-man roster or does he stay on PUP and go on to regular season PUP? Now, the reason that will be a big decision is because somebody who starts the regular season on PUP after having been on PUP all through training camp has to miss the first six weeks of the regular season. That's a rule. So if the Packers feel like Bakhtiari will be back within the first six weeks, he'll be on the 53 for week one, even if he's not necessarily going to play in week one, but he'll be on the 53 because they're not going to – if he, they feel he's going to be ready, they're not going to just shut him down for the first six weeks of the regular season. That's the best way to read this, right?
1: Absolutely. The one consideration you have to make, though, is kind of like if you're at the grocery store and you're trying to stash that last bag of Doritos on the list so your wife doesn't find out it went over $200, you have to be <laughs> cognizant of the fact that if he does go on to regular season injured reserve, that means you're probably going to have to cut somebody extra, go down to 52 at the end of camp. You can't just put him on IR. Okay and then bring him back. No, there's still the difference between training camp IR and regular season IR. Yep. So,
0: and if they do that, they put him on the 53 and then put him on IR, that would only be a, mi- a minimum of 3 weeks that yes, he would correct. have to be out. So, those are the different roster. Yep. Those are the different roster machinations that, that that the Packers will figure out with Bakhtiari when the time comes on Labor Day weekend.
1: Yeah, and I think really the big decision is going to be that week after the Buffalo game because now you don't have that last preseason game they're not going to cut you know in that typical Saturday weekend at the end of August so there's a little bit more time for the training staff the doctors and Bakhtiari himself to come together and see where things are at Um, be that as it may as I said I, I think that the Packers have the offensive line depth there to to be able to stem the tide but certainly, at some point, you know he's he's a difference maker. He's the best in the game at what he does, yeah. and the Packers, you know, want to have him back as soon as possible and as soon as safely as possible.
0: And you mentioned Elton Jenkins as the guy who's uh, who's holding down the fort there at left tackle here throughout training camp. That's going to be his spot until Bakhtiari is back. We're seeing a competition here at guard with Jenkins, who's a, was a Pro Bowl left guard, obviously last year, and you know has has played in so many different spots. But right now, the coaches are rotating. John Runyon, Ben Braden, Lucas Patrick. Three guys kind of for those two guard spots while Jenkins is playing left tackle. And from what we've seen so far... Nobody's in a hurry to make a decision there. This looks like a competition that is going to continue to play out as we go through training.
1: Camp. Yeah, and, and it has been a very balanced competition, as you said. Now, the one caveat to all this is the fact that Lucas Patrick really is the backup center, too. So, as you mentioned, they've been circling him out on some first-team reps so that he can take the second-team reps at center. And then in that case, that's where Ben Braden has been over at right guard with with John Runyon, staying basically only at left guard. Yeah. The, the competition there for that left guard, though, spot is really interesting because Runyon, I thought, really showed out last year, played well in a pinch, but never actually started a game. He was always just kind of called upon to finish. He was a finisher, closer, uh, if you will. <laughs> but, you know, I said this during the one-on-one drills. The thing that I like about John the most is that he has incredibly broad shoulders. He might not have his dad's height uh, in terms of it's funny me saying a six, four, four I was going to say it's not height. as
0: though he's small, but, yes, his, da- his dad had a little bit more of that size. But by
1: golly, I mean, he has those broad shoulders, and at the guard position, there were a couple one-on-one reps he was taking. I want to say it was against Tyler Lancaster, and Lancaster kind of had a move on him, but the way, you know, with how much space that that John takes up, he's able to shift, move his feet, and he won those two reps. Uh Braden is just a massive human being. Six foot six, two hundred. I think he's listed at three hundred twenty nine pounds. Uh, this is a guy that has bounced around a lot in the league. He was with the Packers in two thousand nineteen on the practice squad for a couple months, got cut. Ended up going to New England, found his way back to Green Bay, and the coaching staff seems to be really high on him. We've never spoken to him. Uh, we've never, you know, there hasn't been an availability with him. We haven't really seen him really play that much because he's only been here during like the regular season portion of things he hasn't really been there in camp so uh interested to learn more about him and and he was a guy too during the offseason program when they were still feeling things out with the tackle situation took some reps at tackle too so um an interesting little guy to have involved there as well
0: well after one week of practice and thus far only one practice in pads it is not a a time to make any grand pronouncements but there are two things I think that we have learned, both based on what we've seen with the reps and also what we've heard from from players, from from Matt Lafleur and whatnot. One is that it sure looks like the rookie second-round pick, Josh Myers, is going to be the starting center for this team, barring something very unforeseen, because yeah. he is as he was in the spring. Now into training camp, he is taking every rep at center with the number one offense. And the other one. Is that it? Sure, looks like when Joe Barry is going to have two inside linebackers on the field, it's going to be the youngster Chris Barnes, the second-year undrafted guy from UCLA, and then Devondre Campbell, the veteran that the Packers brought in um, during the spring, late in the spring, towards the uh, the, the time of the mini camp. Those two guys. Now there are going to be plenty of times there won't be two inside linebackers on the field together, but when there are two together, it sure looks like those are the two guys that are very much out in front of the rest of the competition.
1: Yeah, I would agree with that, and and you know also this is these are guys, these are names that you're not going to hear on your local you know Sirius XM radio, which by the way I think we still have to do the read. Oh yeah, you're right. Point. I do have to do that. My but, bad. But these are the the positions that I think really when you talk about the Packers putting together a championship type run. Uh, this is where it's going to be decided. Uh, first, starting off with Josh Myers. Uh, I think that this was the perfect way to bring him along. Now, there's no blueprint. You know, Corey Lindsley didn't take a single rep with Aaron Rodgers during the preseason, and then he ended up snapping to him week one because of the injury to J.C. Treader in 2014. Right. But for Myers to be able to work with the first team offense, understand the communication role, getting a feel for Jordan Love while Aaron Rodgers was still, you know, sitting out of the OTAs. Him, to, for Rogers now to come in and work with the guy that has been immersed in this system now for three, four months, that is just incredibly invaluable. It was funny listening to Bakhtiari talk about him a little bit, mentioning how the first time he saw him, he said to him, he's like, okay, so what's your deal? You're six foot five. <laughs> are you like a terrible athlete? Do you have bad footwork? Because why would you at that size be playing center? Right. And then you just sort of get it. Uh, it doesn't make a lot of sense why he's at center. He looks like a freaking tackle. But... He's smart, he's intelligent, and he is a good athlete, and it fits him there. Chris Barnes, I think that says a heck of a lot about him, the fact that he's still the Mike Linebacker right no now. No question With a new about defensive it. coordinator, with all the competition at that position, he's still the guy. Yep. And Devondre Campbell, as he talked about, he kind of fits where the Packers want to go with this defense. He's a guy that can cover tight ends. He can stay on the field and nickel. And again, we're talking about options. He's a guy that gives Joe Barry a lot of options for how he wants to settle that defense in the sub packages. Yeah,
0: an interesting combination there of a young guy with, with a veteran, a veteran who's you know new to this team and this system. But you are right. I need to do the, uh, the sponsor business here. Serious XM NFL Radio delivers hard-hitting analysis and up-to-the-minute NFL news that true football fanatics need 24-7 365 and with that we're going to call it a wrap on this edition of packers unscripted be sure to follow all of our coverage of the team and of training camp it's all there for you on packers.com for wes i'm mike thank you for tuning in everybody we'll see you next time